In chapter Luke, verse 15, it says, Jesus continued as he was talking to an audience of Pharisees. It says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's have a celebration for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. If you're taking notes, uh, I've titled this message today, Picking Up the Pieces. Oh, come on. If you're a parent and you know what it means to pick up those pieces, Lord forbid, not the Lego pieces in the middle of the night, woo, to step on some Legos causes me to speak in the spirit. But there are two types of people. There are those that say, if something's broke, I am dedicated to fix and to repair it. And there is another type of person that says, we're going to get something new. We're going to, we're going to out with the old in with the new. Now, yeah. Amen. See, Chad is all about the new. He wants to toss the thing that is broken. I want to prove to myself and to him that I can fix the broken thing. Now, we have three boys, and uh, our house is filled with broken things. Uh, broken cabinets, broken drawers, uh, broken tabletops, broken things. And uh, we just can't simply afford to toss every single thing that they break and purchase new furniture every week. So I commit to the restoration of furniture process and I attempt to make things better. And a lot of times I improperly restore them and they're broke worse than they started. See, it's easier for us sometimes to give up than to give it to God. And some of us are joining us today and can identify a relationship that feels like it's on the brink of broke 
and it needs to be fixed, and it's just easier to say, I'm done with that. Now, last week, Chad did a beautiful message of identifying when it's time to break up with something. Now, hear me. There are toxic relationships. There are abusive relationships that are so clearly identified as ones that you are not supposed to be in. And I encourage you to listen to that message. But today I'm talking about those relationships that you know that these are God relationships that are identified as broken. These may be marriages that you are believing for wholeness and restoration. These are prodigal sons and daughters. These are siblings in relationships that feel disconnected and you're desperate for God to do a miracle. I want to look through this story and how the example of God, the Father, shown in this parable of, of the father to his son, the steps and the bridge that he builds, the action items that he takes to begin the restoration with his son. See, number one, he says, but while he was in verse 20, a still a long way off, his father saw him. Number one, if you're taking notes, look for the impossible. He saw him, and then he was filled with compassion for him. See, a long way off could be that he's yards away or miles away, that, that the thing that he desired was in the distance, but he wasn't unable. But he wasn't able to see him unless he was looking for him. Now, I don't know if the father got up and had this habit of, I'm going to go to the edge of my property every day, and I'm going to look with expectation and hope for my son. Or I don't know if today was the day that he was like, I have faith that my son is coming home today. But what he did do was he peered, he looked, he longed. See, in order to see a relationship restored, we first have to believe that it can be restored. We have to understand that God specializes in broken things. He specializes in one, creating something out of nothing. In Psalms 51, it says, create in me a pure heart. That Hebrew word create comes from the same word that is used in Genesis, borah, meaning to create something out of nothing. Maybe you're here and you're identifying your relationship. I got nothing left in this. There is no life left in this relationship. Let me just tell you that God can create something out of nothing. He has the power and the ability to do that. And secondly, he's the expert in restoring us back to strength. I love in 1 Peter 5, he says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, 
himself restore you and then what? Make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, if he has the ability to create something out of nothing and strengthen us and set us firm in a foundation of him, he has given us the ability and the faith to believe, not in our own strength, but, but to believe that with his helping hand and his ability that we can believe and look for the impossible. Wait, so the sun is in a distance and he was looking and he was believing and he was longing. It sounds familiar, right? Our father that is in heaven is doing this every single day. This picture of looking, this picture of longing, this picture of waiting. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, we see this where he says, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth is what? Patiently waiting for sinners to turn from their sins and run back to him. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to the repentance that is found within him. See, in much the same way, God is wanting his people saved, but he's patient. He's looking. He's believing. And as we follow that example of God the Father and Jesus for us as his children, those who are coming to salvation, we should also demonstrate the example of belief and patience, and waiting, and longing, and looking with hope and expectation. I don't know if you've ever lost something, or you've been looking for something. We lose things all the time. Just this last night, my, uh, my five-year-old Maverick went on a date with Chad to Target, and our kids think that dates is not quality time, where we tell them that we love them, they think that dates is where we take them to go purchase a toy. So they went on a date to Target to purchase a toy. Well, Chad was um, fitting this into his day, and so he had to bring Maverick back to the house and, and run out. Well, he brought Maverick back to the house with the toy that he might have purchased uh, to make up for a parenting whoopsies, but what? That's not what we're talking about. Um, he drops Maverick off and he says, okay, I got to run. Well, Maverick is so excited to open his toy that last night he opens this toy. He pulls out the instructions. And what do I have to do? I have to assemble the toy. I have to read the instructions. And of course, no toys are provided with batteries. So I have to go to the garage and test out the batteries. Why we keep dead batteries in our garage, I will never understand. <laughs> so I, I continue in this toy. Now this toy requires us to download an app to follow the instructions. Then I have to link it to a Bluetooth and the whole thing, 
this is just beyond my capabilities as a parent. Well, I'm trying to get the mind of Christ. Children, I'm trying to get the word of the Lord to speak to Zoe tomorrow. So I don't have time to assemble your toy. But tomorrow morning, we will work on the toy. So this morning, of course, everyone wakes up. Now, the main figure of this toy is this Mario-looking character Lego item has gone missing. I mean, this when I say this was an hour of my morning, looking for where Mario walked off to. We are under every couch, and finally, we find this thing in a drawer next to my bed. Now, did anyone put it there? Yes, my three-year-old Clive put it in the drawer and failed to mention that he knew where it was. It's frustrating to look for something. But this father patiently went to look for his son with belief we need to look and see and believe that God can do the impossible. Secondly, it says he saw, he was filled with compassion, and then he ran. See, Jesus is love in action. But a lot of times, and I can be the captain of this team, is that I'm good at love and apathy. It's easy for me to be apathetic in my relationship, not to run, not to move, just to sit in the dysfunction, just to sit in the complacency. See, the second thing he did is he went beyond belief. He went beyond seeing and looking. He started to run towards his son. See, the second thing we need to do as we build a bridge of restoration in our relationships, is we need to make a move. We actually have to step in the direction of a beautiful relationship. We have to have faith in action. See, the Greek verb in this context implies that he was running like a competitive event. See, this... This father was from an affluent, wealthy home. And sprinting is just something that men of his stature did not do. But he sprinted with his robes, with his attire, with all of the things that were slowing him down. He, I imagine he picked them up and started running desperately after the thing that he longed for. What a picture of humility. What a picture of saying, I don't care if this is what I'm not supposed to do. I don't care what I'm wearing. I have to get to the thing that I love. I have to run to the one that I love. See, have you ever been in a scenario where you were desperate to get to something 
and you had to take desperate measures. Maybe this is in a relatable area in the area of desperate to eat something. Now, I would fall into the self-diagnose um, hypoglycemic category. Never gotten a real diagnosis, but if you ask my husband, it's a real scenario. Now, I have this window where um, hangry term, turns into um, demonic um, real fast. So um, Chad can kind of tell when I'm crossing over to the other side. And um, so it, it's like desperation. We're going to pull over. We're going to find her something to eat. We're going to give her some sustenance. So a lot of times in these scenarios, um, I, I just try to take one for the team and just try to eat whatever I can find as quickly as I can find it. Um, have I been in the situation where I'm eating um, the cold food off of my kids' plates? Yes. Weekly. Yes, I have. Um, if you are a parent that eats cold food off of your parents' plates, yeah, woo we got some parents here. Um, this, is, this is not an abnormal thing for me, but I do it to serve the household. I do it mostly because I'm desperate. But sometimes we'll do anything when we're desperate. We'll humiliate ourselves. We'll go the extra mile. But sometimes we stop when it comes to relationships. And when we're desperate for a miracle, sometimes it's easier just to freeze. And sometimes we stay in that place because it's uncomfortable to humiliate ourselves. But I love that Jesus shows how he humiliated himself for you and I. In Philippians 2.8, it says, And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, if Jesus can humiliate himself as an act of love, I think that we need to exercise taking the steps of making a move towards humbling ourselves and moving towards a restored relationship. The third thing he did is he ran towards him and he embraced him. He grabbed him. He kissed him. He leaned in to him. See, a lot of times we might make the moves, but then we get to the place. We get to the counseling appointment. We get to asking for help. We make the uncomfortable phone call. We ask for forgiveness, but then we don't lean in to the relationship. I love this picture because he embraced, he grabbed, and he kissed. And the Greek indication of kissing here was multiple kissing, kissing all over. See, we need to lean in even when it's not looking good. See, he kissed the face of his son that was 
disgusting, was smelly. He was in a pigsty. He was walking for miles. He was messy. See, we want to avoid the thing that's messy. We want to hold that thing like this. We don't want to lean in. And I love the multiple kissing because it shows the lavish love of Jesus. It shows not only that he's going to embrace us and he's going to draw near to us and he's going to open his arms to us. But it shows like Romans 5 says, but he sh God shows us his love for us while we were still a mess, while we were still sinners. He died for us in that place. He lavished his love for us while, during the mess, in the place of a mess. And um, my, my kids, a lot of times, they'll come to me and they'll say, Mom, Mom, um, I, 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 I cut my knee. I have a, I have a, I have a bruised finger. I have a, I have a scraped, scraped foot. But um, if it's like Clive, you know, I've got open wounds that I need to go to urgent care three times for. Um, but a lot of times they're like, mom, can you kiss my boo-boo? See, I don't know whoever started this, but we do it because we love them. But kissing an open wound is kind of an unnatural thing. I mean, if you think about it, like why am I kissing blood? Why am I kissing the mess? One, they convince, they're convinced that I can heal through a kiss. But secondly, there's something that brings peace when I embrace them. See, when we lean in, not just physically, but emotionally, in effort, in strides to our relationships, a lot of times we can just see the softness in the other individual start to be displayed. Wow. See, what's interesting about this is the son, the act of running away and being a prodigal. Prodigal means wasteful. Uh, just wasting, wasting money, wasting the thing that you were given. And, and he just wasted it. And as he ran away in the Jewish law back then, this was an offense that was punishable by death. This was the law at this time, is that when, when he says in the end of the verse that you were dead and now you're alive, he's basically saying that you should be dead. You should have died, if not by starvation, but by the law. In this picture of Love replacing the law is what Jesus does for us on the cross. He, re, he leans in while we were still sinners. When it's ugly, when it's messy, when it's broken, don't remove yourself. Lean into it. The next thing he does, and I can invite Drew to come up and play keys. He says he gives the robe and the ring 
and the gifts and the sandals. Maybe you're here and you're like, okay, I can, I can buy into all the other steps. I can get to this place. I can, I can make a move. I can lean in. I can get help. But um, I don't know about the picture of excessive generosity. This picture of giving him the robe, the robe was worn by the head of the household. It was, it was for special occasions. It was given to the oldest, and this is the youngest son. It was saying that the best that I have is yours. It was a display of excessive generosity. The ring is a signet ring that a lot of times is used to seal documents in the family. The, the, the ring is, is basically a, a symbol of access and authority. Another picture of excessive generosity. See, this isn't a demonstration of just forgiveness. He leaned in and loved and forgave in the midst of the mess. But he also gave. See, we need to learn how to give and forgive. And many of us stop at forgiveness. I forgive you, but can you just stay over there? I, I, I forgive you, but I'm not going to give and invest my time into this relationship. At the beginning of this passage, the first verse, it says, uh, Father, give me my inheritance. And it simply says, so the father did. I mean, I've got kids, and when they ask me to give them something, I say no. <laughs> I mean, what a picture of generosity that he gave them, he gave his son the inheritance. He wasted it. So he proved himself unworthy, unfit, untrusting, and then he forgave him and then gave again. I wonder if there's a relationship that you're thinking about that's on your heart that you're like, I, I've forgiven them, but I know that I need to give to that relationship. I know that I need to not stop at forgiveness, but I need to give and invest and to serve. See, forgiveness and generosity is proven in proximity. Being close, not holding one at a distance. Hasn't the father done enough already? No. He continues to exercise his love in action by showing generosity to his son. And finally, at the end in verse 31 and 32, it says, my son, the father said, as he's speaking to the older son, he says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to go and sacrifice the calf. We had to have a party 
We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. We had to. Finally, the last step of action that the Father took and demonstrated for us as we move forward in action in our personal relationships is that he chose joy at the end. He chose to celebrate. He said we had to. We had to choose to celebrate, to go get the calf, to sacrifice the calf, to feed the whole neighborhood, to have a lavish party, and we had to choose to be glad. We had to. It wasn't an option. See, as a culture, we commemorate and we observe holidays so that why? We can remember what happened. See, as he's celebrating, what he's saying is we cannot forget where our son was. We cannot forget that he should be dead. We cannot forget God's hand of provision was on his life. We cannot forget the miracle that he's done in us. And really, we cannot forget that he has given us these gifts, these precious gifts of relationship. He can't, we can't forget. We have to celebrate people because we have to remember that God gave us those people. That's what the demonstration is of celebration. We have to choose. We have to choose to celebrate life. We have to choose to live from moments of celebration to moments of celebration. And what do celebration moments do within us? They acknowledge wins. And it produces in us an endurance and a confidence to keep going in our relationships. Wherever you're at, I just want to invite you to close your eyes. Except for if you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> 